This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that comes up with our own customers all the time, and that is... I'm not getting the clients that I'm looking for. How do I get higher quality clients? So today, Brian and I are going to dig into how your marketing can help bring in the exact type of customers that you are looking for. Before we dig into that, let me give a shout out to our friends at RepairPal. Thank you for providing this episode to our listeners. RepairPal's certified network of shops are trusted by millions of customers each month. Learn more at repairpal.com forward slash shops. Brian, higher quality marketing. It actually just came up as a discussion within our team. One of our, it's a potential client. It's not a client yet, but someone who we've been talking to for a while. And they have a marketing company that they work with. And, you know, they're okay with with the results that they've been getting. But the one thing that they're really trying to do is to get a higher quality of client. And, you know, they, they asked us that question and, you know, I hate when people say I get asked this question all the time because no, you really don't. But it is fairly common that with our higher end repair shops, they don't want more cars. We're going to do an episode about that. I believe it's going to be Chris Cotton and I are going to do an episode where we talk about car count is not your problem, but a lot of the higher end shops, instead of wanting more cars, they want a higher quality client because they want to have a higher average repair order. They want to have somebody that sticks with them longer. They just want a better client. And most shops, they may not realize that they need a better client, but that is something that they absolutely should be striving towards is getting a client that's on a higher level than the ones that they currently have. Like you just said, we do get that question a lot. And oftentimes it comes when we're teaching a class or we're meeting someone in our booth at an expo at an event And for us, our process is very often going to start with doing an audit of their marketing. And far too often when we do that, we realize that the messaging that is either on their website or in their ads or in their email or in their social media is speaking to a completely different client than the ones that they actually want. Something as simple as just kind of coming back and realigning your marketing with your goals And you would think that that's really not rocket science. It's the most basic thing, but far too often that's the problem. You can look at your marketing itself. And there's so much that we're going to talk about, you know, today from the, the marketing to the appearance of your shop and everything. But if you look at businesses that cater to hiring clients, what are they doing? You know, are they putting things in the local tube mailer? No, they're not. Are they giving big discounts? They're not. You know, are they in a ratty old building? They're not. You, you mean know, like we were? <laughs> when we first started, we I mean, absolutely were. And we attracted the type of clients that exactly. our building, you know, w- w- when you looked at our building, oh exactly what you would think of. Yeah. I mean, let's just back it up a little bit. We're just going to press the pause button. Not literally, but for you, those of you that, that don't know, right, we had a shop. We specialized originally in Mercedes Benz. Yeah, the name was behind the star. Isn't that the <laughs> That's coolest? That's another name? story. No, it's not a cool. Not a good name. <laughs> we eventually kind of branched out a little bit to do more Euro, and it was not just Mercedes Benz. But when you think about Mercedes Benz, 
What are the first maybe three words that come to your mind? Uh, I mean, luxury. Okay, same. Um, you know, high end, rich. Yeah, beautiful, fancy, you know. And so when you think about those words, they do not match up with the first shop that we had. It was a, a very rough old building, but you know what? It got us our start and we learned a lot there because oh, we we when did. we moved from that it was an old radiator shop. The building was in terrible condition. Everything around it, it was just in a part of town that had become really run down. And people weren't going to drive their Mercedes there Mm-mm. unless it was the wrong type of client. It was the person that bought the Mercedes. They couldn't afford it. Yeah. And they were looking for the shop who would do things cheap. And when you looked at our original shop, you would think to yourself, oh, that's a place where I can get a good deal. You know, the perception is a really big deal. And when you think about Just a minute ago, I asked you, what are the first three words that pop in your mind when you think about that type of vehicle? That's seriously an exercise that you can do in your shop is bring it down to who your customer is. What are the first three words that pop into your mind when you think about the quality customer that you, maybe you're not looking for quality, you know? So think about the customer that you want. What are the three words that pop into your mind that define that type of person? Your marketing needs to attract that person. You know, when I think about high-end European, I think that most of those people want to be proud of where they're going, who's taking care of their vehicle. Very, maybe ridiculous, but funny to me. Brian and I are ridiculously obsessed with the, is it on Netflix? Amazon Prime, the series Suits. We're way behind times. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't. Way behind, okay? Everybody in the world has seen it. Here we are. We're just now going with it. If you're not watching Suits and you do have, you know, the time to be able to invest in it because there's nine seasons. You don't have to have the time. We don't have the time. We just do it somehow. Yeah. So It's a great show. So if you haven't seen it, watch it. I don't know which season or episode it was, but literally last night we were watching one and there's this guy, Lewis Litt. And Lewis and his fiance are trying to have a baby. Well, he's a high-end attorney. Now, do you know where I'm going? You still don't get it? I I think so. He's a high-end attorney. Only will the number one best fertility doctor in the world work for him. He refused to even talk about going to the number two. So again, I'm just trying to paint a picture for you that your marketing, we're getting into all these things, the appearance of your shop, all the things need to attract your customers. I know that the Mercedes-Benz customers that we wanted would have never pulled into that parking lot. But our second shop, absolutely. They were proud to say, tell their, you know, somebody's going to say, hey, who works on your car? Oh, Peak Automotive. They were happy to share that. Yeah, and it changed overnight when we moved. So let's kind of dig into this a little bit. You know, if you are going to attract a hiring client, one of the first places that we're going to start, because, you know, we're marketing, that's what we do. Let's talk about your marketing. What does your marketing say to someone when they look at it, you know, what's the message? And I'm not talking about just the actual words. I'm talking about everything about it. Are you doing the direct mail piece that, you know, is the bright colors and yeah, kind of cheesy and you're discounting. Right. If you're doing that, is that what the high end client wants? And is that what you want out of your clients? Do you want a client who is asking for the discount? Do you want a client who is attracted to the bright, noisy, in-your-face, you know, kind of marketing. 
You know, they don't, the high end, you know, that's what we're talking about today is a, a higher quality client. These types of individuals, they are not looking for, the price is not motivating them. That's not what they're looking for. I don't remember what we were watching or I know that when I was a school counselor, I read this book by Dr. Ruby Payne about the culture of poverty. And then there was another time you and I, I think it was a Bible study we were doing actually mm-hmm. with Chris, whatever his name is. And he was talking about the mindset of poverty, middle-class and wealthy, mm-hmm. right? So if we're looking at a higher quality type of client, you know, the differences in those three, help me out if I screw this up, right? But people that come from a poverty mindset, they are more conditioned to, let's use food as an example, which is what well, that, we that always That was what use. they did in the, yeah, in right. the study. They used and, food. And so when food is an example, someone from a poverty mindset, they're going to ask you, did you get enough? Did I feed you enough? And that's why, you know, do you want seconds? Can I give you more? They want to make sure that they're satisfying you as far as quantity. And then people from a middle class mindset, they are asking, help me out. How did it taste? How did it taste? Was it good? And then... Yep. They want to know about the quality. Yeah. Quality. And then finally... People from a wealth mindset, a mindset of abundance, they are more concerned with how it looks, right? So when you are pairing your marketing to try to attract a higher end customer, keep those things in mind. Price is not what's motivating them, which is going to make you happy because most of the shops that we work with do not want to discount and do coupons. So maybe you're talking about direct mail. Maybe that direct mail piece is more focused on perception of how things look and maybe it's focused on pictures of your shop and the right pictures of vehicles, not stock and something that's truly authentic for you. You know, think about that, you know, no matter what kind of marketing you're doing, whether that is, you know, through your website itself or the social media marketing that you're doing or your ads the messaging needs to be about high quality if you're looking for a quality client. And you want to go through the process, too, of really defining who that customer avatar is. Because when we talk about high quality, that doesn't mean it's a bunch of you know rich people that are coming to you. It just means that it's people who are willing to take care of their vehicle. Yeah, because so, let's face it, there's a lot of people in this world who look rich but are not. And also, we tend to think about the wealthy people is the ones who are driving the Mercedes and the BMWs and stuff like that. But the thing is, is if you're driving a F two fifty diesel, you just dropped 80 grand on that thing Mm -hmm, for sure. So think about who it is that you're trying to attract and then what it is that matters most to them. Because for some people it's going to be convenience for some people, it's going to be quality for some people. It's going to be speed. You know, what is it that, That the person who you are trying to attract, what is it that is most important to them? And you want to lead in your messaging with that thing so that you can attract more of those people. And adding to that personalization, customization, the higher end luxury type of customer, they like to be catered to. When you can present your messaging in a way that lets them know we're going to really have a relationship and care and take care of you and even anticipate your needs and that sort of thing. But you know, interestingly enough, just now talking about it, it makes me think about, you know, how I just said, not everyone that looks wealthy actually is wealthy. You know, there's a lot of people that just have an incredible amount of debt. If you are a higher end shop 
and you're not offering payment plans or, you know, they have all of those almost like layaway type things or credit cards or just credit in general, don't think that that would not appeal, right? In order for them to use your shop, they might not want to tell the world that they don't have the funds to just write you a check, but they would probably, if the rest of their life is financed, they might would finance their car repair. So it just reminded me because I had a conversation with a client a couple of years ago and they literally said to me, we had this exact conversation. They said, my customers are very wealthy and they're, you know, they're just paying for cash for everything. And from having that conversation, they realized, oh, wow, maybe I do need to have that as an option. So that, that could be something that you're promoting uh, that you have that. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people may have that car that, you know, it's six, seven years old. They've already paid it off. And you hit them with, you know, a six, $8,000 estimate and they want to do it. Yep. But, you know, right now, perfect example, we're in late November as we're recording this and, you know, you got Christmas coming up. People don't want to drop a whole bunch of cash Yep. at that time of year. You know, if they are the typical middle-class, you know, American, but they could be a high quality client that just needs a little bit of assistance to get that repair done and they're very willing to do it. So yeah, very good. I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which if you didn't know, will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal certified network, and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops. But the millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged. So we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to repairpal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free and save $150 off certification. The other thing that, um, that we'll talk about is like just the overall brand itself. We're going to do the logo. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're going to do an episode about this. As a matter of fact, it may be the very next one that we record that is about how to build a real brand. You know, so everybody thinks of branding as your logo and your colors and your fonts that you're using and everything. But a real brand goes so much further than that. And the example that I love to use is one that that my my old business partner actually taught me way back in the day. He talked about the brand that Harley Davidson had. The brand of Harley Davidson, you might think, oh, well, it's black and orange and chrome, but that's not it. The brand is the noise that motorcycle makes. It's the vibration when you're sitting on it. It's the culture of the people who ride them. It's the black leather and the tattoos. And, you know, it's just there's such a brand that is around Harley Davidson. Well, what is the brand that is around your shop? Are you a shop that is known for its community involvement? Are you a shop that is known for the extremely high quality work that you do? You know, what are the things that your business is known for? What is the brand? And the, that brand ultimately is what you have to change mm-hmm. if you want to change the type of client that you are getting into your business. Yeah, we could, I'm sitting here thinking when you're saying that 
that I want to play a game. <laughs> and in my mind, it would go something like this. I'm going to say the aspect of the brand and you tell me which company it is. Okay. Okay. Extreme level of customer service. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can pick a few. Give me something else. The first that thing I think of is Chick-fil-A. That's where I was going. Okay. Um, but it also could be Ritz Carlton. It could be right. There's all those mm-hmm. things. Very witty on Twitter. Wendy's. Perfect. Exactly. And then broken ice cream machine. Oh, McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, but do you see yeah. like that is part of the brand? You know, I could say red circle. Tell me, well, you're a guy. Maybe Target? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so all of that, it's just important that so many people think that your logo is your brand and your font and your colors, but who you are, your core values, your company image, all of that is so much a part of your brand and who you are and what are people saying about you. So I think that is absolutely an incredible piece of this puzzle. Yeah. I mean, I think about the brand that we've been creating at Shop Marketing Pros and I didn't even realize some of the things until people start talking about it. But Just, I mean, that's, that's what you want to happen. Yeah. When your clients tell you what your brand is, then that's what your brand is. And you know, some of those things that we hear about us is we're just really nice people and Good you know people. how they how they love you know how our team is so attentive to them and and things like that yeah. and uh you know the brand of we're expensive i was just about to go there like i am pretty sure we're the most expensive marketing agency marketing company whatever you want to call us in the automotive industry so you know for our but, shop we were as well and yeah. i don't know about you but for me for the longest time when people would say yeah you guys are so expensive i would feel bad about it you as a shop owner need to decide if if you're a high-end shop and your shop rate, we were more expensive than the dealer. If your shop rate is more than the dealer or you're the most expensive in town, maybe you need to wear that with pride. Maybe you point being expensive back to the quality service that you offer, the relationship that you build with your customers that you're you're building a legacy. I just talked about this in the podcast I just recorded. You're building a legacy of caring for your customers. So that is absolutely part of it. It's funny that you say it that way too. The We were more expensive than the dealer because when we had our shop, that was a big deal that yeah. we were more expensive than the dealer. But I'm really happy to see the shops that are coming around to yeah. it now that like they don't even care that they're more expensive than the dealer. I'm talking about they're a lot more expensive than the dealer. Right. And... They're great business people and they know what it's going to take for them to make a profit. And they're doing all of the things that are getting the right clients in the door that allow them to do that. Because look, that's another thing about getting that higher end client. They don't care that you're more expensive than the dealer because the great customers know you don't go to the dealership for the best service. They know that the dealership is going to be a pain in their tail. They dread it. But when you go to an independent shop that is a high-end shop that provides that concierge-like exactly. customer experience, they're happy to pay to get that. Yep. And they they expect. I mean, you and I, right, on a personal <laughs> level, our own buying styles have changed drastically over the years where now, you know, I'm looking at the shoes that you're wearing. They're not cheap. And it's because his feet have lots of issues and you're like, I got to take care of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's a pair of shoes. Somebody may be thinking the same thing about their car, right? We we really care about our belongings and we work hard for them and we want to take care of them. 
So don't be afraid to, you know, for example, let's say that you're hiring someone to do your marketing for you. Hopefully it's us. But when you're talking to them, like we ask our, we have a long, long kickoff meeting in the very beginning and we dig into your brand. Who are you? Who are your customers? Who are you trying to attract? I don't sit in those kickoff meetings anymore, but the ones that I did sit in, I can't tell you that the shops that truly were expensive said that they were expensive, Mm -hmm. right? So just don't be afraid to go there. While we're talking about branding, understand that you may hire a company to build your brand, which is your logo, your colors, your fonts. You don't hire a company to build or tell you what your brand is as far as who your customers are and that you focus on quality and and all this. Those come from the inside. That is who you are. So they need to build your logo, your font, your colors around that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your brand should reflect who you truly are at your core. Yeah. So I talked about that concierge like customer service. That is another way to really attract the right client. All right. So I'm pretty sure I know exactly what you're talking about, but I'm thinking of concierge medicine. Why don't you, for anyone that's like, "Mm, what we think we know what you're talking about, just describe that a little bit more. All right. So first go back and listen to our episode 11 that is titled, is it customer service or is it marketing? But what I mean by that, you know, I was taught this by one of my service advisors. He, you know, I never asked him to do this when we were young in business. We really messed up a lot of stuff. Like we, we still mess up stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, we do. But we were not just naturally good at creating exactly. that high-end mm-hmm. feel. But we knew that that was the client that we want. So we, through the School of Hard Knocks, learned how to do it right. But one of my service advisors, that guy was so good. You're not uh, talking about Michael. Yeah, Michael Doherty. Which we haven't seen or talked to him in how many years? Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. One day I dream of him reaching out because we talk about him in classes. We talk oh, yeah. about him on the podcast and he's a service advisor somewhere yeah. in North Carolina. But anyways, so Michael, we still love you. Anyway, he taught us. I mean, when, and when I say he taught us, he taught us just by doing it. But things like opening the door for clients when they come in and we talk in depth about this in, uh, in that episode 11. Instead of pointing out the coffee machine, asking somebody how they would like their coffee and making it for them, you know, arranging a ride for them, you know, instead of if you're that shop that does not have loaner cars, which most don't. But if you're using Uber or something like that, you know, to handle that for them is to anticipate every need that your client could possibly have and make sure that it is handled for them. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. In my mind, when I asked you, describe concierge, you know, I'm thinking of the hotel. I said medicine because that's all popular now, but you go back to the concierge at the hotel and you you walk up to him and you're like, I need tickets for whatever, and or I need a ride here. They, a great concierge, really asked you a ton of questions about what's your whole night or what's your whole day going to be like, because then they start thinking about, oh, well, you're not only going to need a ride, but you're going to want this and you're going to need this. Let me get this taken care of for you or let me point you in this direction. So the anticipating needs is what I really think of. And Michael was great at that. And, you know, he would have conversations. There were times where 
I remember thinking, come on, dude, you need to hurry up. Like, let's go. But obviously I didn't really want him to do that because what he was doing was really caring for our customers and getting their whole story and really finding everything out. And so if we could connect them to other resources in our community that might not even be automotive related, you know, maybe in that conversation they're talking about getting ready to um, move and buy a house. Well, we wanted to connect them to the realtor that we knew, mm-hmm. right? So the whole whole level of service. And it, it's about knowing your clients as well. You know, so when somebody is picking up the car, are they a person who they're going to be in a rush? Are they that person that wants to have a conversation? Yeah. Because you definitely have both of those types of people in your auto repair shop. And if they are the person that they're going to be in a rush, then handle the transaction side of everything over the phone before they show up or, you know, now with texting them a link where they can pay. And when they show up, if you're standing there with another client, when you see them walk in the door, you just pick up their keys and kind of hand it to them off to the side. And they just had a great experience because you got them out very quickly. You You honored that whole convenience thing that they're looking for. They have a busy life. You know, they're on the go. You know, you might be wondering, this is just how you do your business, how that relates to your marketing, which is what we're talking about. But you think about the experience that you're giving to your customer, that is going to come out in how they talk about you to their friends, how they refer you to their coworkers, what they're writing in their reviews. These are all the things they're going to be saying. And that is marketing. Yeah. So appearance. Oh God. Appearance is huge. We talked about that as we started this episode with our first shop, I mean, it was a dump. It really was. But our second shop, because we knew what we wanted, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we were at ASTE this past year and I drove by and I was looking at it and it was like, man, this place really needs a pressure washing. And, you know, it it was like, this does not look like when we had our shop, but that stuff, it matters so much. And I'm not talking about just the building itself. Yeah, You're, trash in the parking lot, junked up cars, you know. Oh my God, this is not what happened with our other shop, but I see this all the time. The one letter in your sign that the bulbs are out and they've been out for six months. All right, this has nothing to do with, it actually has everything to do with what we're talking about right now, but there's a scrapyard by us. And, you know, That's people it. bring, they bring their metal there, old cars and all that stuff to to sell. And- it's Florida Parish's scrapyard, and the sign says really big, we buy scrap. Well, the S had fallen off of it and stayed that way forever, so it said we buy crap. And Which they do. Yeah, I thought it was the funniest thing. It's But anyway, you know. You know. It's the little things, right, that you don't see. But that your customers see. You don't see it because you see it every day. And it's, it's like just the become, frog in the boiling water. Yes. You don't notice it and you don't notice how bad it gets over time. You know, when we talk about your parking lot, back in the day when I had my shop, my right hand man, one of my texts, his name was Joe Pioita. <laughs> and this me is and not Joe, gonna go anywhere good. <laughs> me and Joe went we had to go over to another shop for something. I forget what we had to go over there for, but we had to go over there. And this was a a shop that was a Mercedes specialty shop and they worked on a lot of the older ones, but the parking lot was just full of cars that you could tell hadn't moved in a long time. And the first words out of Joe's mouth to the owner when he walked out were, so this is where they come to die. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, he did not just say that, but it was so true. Yeah. That shop. It looked that way when you pulled up to it. It was like, if I bring my car here, I'm never going to see it again. 
because it's going to sit here in the parking lot and rust away to nothing. You know, what does your parking lot look like? And when you are the shop that has the blessing of having parking in front and rear, you want to make sure that the cars that you want to attract are the ones that are parked out front and the ones that you don't necessarily want to are the ones that are parked out back. But, you know, you can't have cars that are just sitting in a state of disrepair in front of your business at all times and, you know, never moving because that really sends the wrong message to people. Well, and I mean, that is the same for your waiting area, the bathroom, the shop area. You know, we have had clients where we're like, hey, can you please send us a picture of whatever, a picture of this, a picture of that. Well, the answer, not now because we no, We really, still do. It still happens. No, no, no. What I'm saying is they would say, yeah, well, it's pretty junky in there. I can't really send you a picture of that. You know, that's not really happening as much. But keeping this stuff updated, it's Hey, we could go off on a whole nother, we're not going to, but a whole nother tangent about how it can attract technicians. Where do they want to work? If you want we high have, we quality. We have an entire right, episode about attracting technicians. High quality customers, you want high quality techs as well. So all of this, as far as appearance, makes a huge difference. And, you know, speaking of that, and, you know, depending on who's listening to this one, there's some people that I might get some flack from, but I'm just going here anyway. If you have technicians that smoke, do not let them smoke at work. Don't let them take smoke breaks. I mean, seriously, if they were working in any professional business, they couldn't be smoking during the day because what happens is their uniforms smell like smoke because they've been smoking and then they get in a customer's car and then the customer picks it up and they're like, somebody was smoking in my car. And a lot of them won't tell you, but they'll tell everybody else. You'll just never see them again. I'm and, really torn about that. Like, uh, I want to totally agree and I do. But at the same time, I'm like, is that realistic? I don't know. That's it, probably it is, a whole It other is absolutely realistic. And look, you can't. You may not be able to control what they do on their lunch break, but you can tell them if you're going to smoke, change into your personal clothes while you're on your lunch break. Yeah. Like I mean, you do not. I, that smell, oh. it sticks. Yeah. That's a really bad way of attracting the right kind of clients. Um, oh, my God. And, and also by not letting them smoke, you'll become more profitable. If I mm. owned which I have a very nice car, okay? So this still applies even to, I have a Lincoln Nautilus and I love it. But if I drove like a really, really super expensive car, you know, to me, certain Mercedes may be that. The one that I really want and I'm dreaming of by the time I finish with it, it's gonna be about $100,000. That's a lot to me. But if I took it to the shop and I got in it and it smelled like smoke, somebody's got hell to pay. Yeah. That is a big deal. That was just a kind of a side note. So, you know, the appearance matters. The appearance of your staff, though. You know, what are your service advisors? How are they dressing? Again, this one goes back to our service advisor, Michael. I never asked him to do it, but he just started. When he came to work, he was wearing a button-down collared shirt and a tie and slacks. Mm-hmm. Whereas previously, you know, we always had the polo shirt, which, you know what? I mean, that, that looks fine. It does. But if you're trying to attract the higher-end client, then... You know, how high end can you make your, your people look? So and, and, you know, you're probably listening to some of this and you're like, I am not going to do that. And you know what? Hey, take it or leave it. But if you want to attract the hiring clients, then start implementing these things a little bit at a time and see how it happens. And also, one point that I definitely want to make is this stuff does not happen overnight. Oh, no. This is 
a little bit months here, a little bit or there. years mm-hmm. of doing these things, and you will see your database of clients completely shift to the Absolutely. ones that you're wanting to attract. But it takes a while. I don't remember how he related it exactly, but you know the the quote: "Dress for the job you want, not the job you have." Yeah, and. He had the job he wanted, but he, it was more about the customers he wanted. He was dressing for the customers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ask your best clients to refer their friends. You know, they say that you are Birds the sum of, of the five people that you hang out with the most. Well, their friends are probably just like them. Yep, absolutely. And know where they hang out. And, you know, think about how your messaging, how your marketing can be utilized in their watering holes. And, you know, a lot of people like to overcomplicate this too. They, well, how do I ask? You just ask. It's kind of flattering when you tell somebody, I'm looking to get a better type of client and, you know, clients like you are exactly like I want. Yeah, literally you know, say do you I, have friends I want more that clients. you could, re- that you would be willing to refer. And, I mean, you just made them feel special. Absolutely. And if you're doing a great job for them, there's one thing that, you know, I learned a long time ago is people love, they love to refer people. They wouldn't say, Hey, you know, I take my car to peak automotive. They're like, my mechanic is mm-hmm. because they're riding him. They're proud of it. Yep. And, you know, I think about the whole friends thing. We have some best friends of ours. We call ourselves the six pack. And listen, if Joe Mir gets a pellet grill, then I promise you, Mike's going to get one. Brian's going to get one. You know, like y'all all talk about all your gadgets and all your tools and all your fun things. And, you know, we'll see them tonight and there may be, I don't know, something and come up and they're like, oh, wait, what was that? Friends is a big deal. Who better are you going to trust? So yeah, absolutely tell them I want more customers like you. Who can you share us with? And then the, the final thing for this, and we already touched on it, but it's price out the clients that you don't want. Raise your prices to the point that they don't come to you. And, you know, ultimately, the for many shops, and of course, you, you have to determine, is this, you know, is this applicable to you? But when most people are looking to attract a higher-end client, they are looking for people who will pay the shop what it's worth mm-hmm. and are willing to take care of the car. When they tell them that something needs to be done to it, they do it. So in many cases that's going to come down to the money side of things. So if you want the clients who are not as concerned about money, raise your prices. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like the only types of people that ever said anything to us when we did raise our prices were exactly those. They were the ones that we were not excited to work with anyway. Yep. So causing trouble, complaining about, Prices and stuff, you know, definitely. You, you just got to make sure that you're working. You're, fo- you're attracting exactly who you want. All right. So let me tell you, if you loved this episode or the last one that you listened to, we would love, just like you love reviews, we would love for you to give us a review on this podcast, um, help us reach more people, share it with a friend, but also connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok. Join our private Facebook group, the Auto Repair Marketing Mastermind. And if you have a question about marketing or a topic that you want us to cover, shoot us an email at podcast at shopmarketingpros.com. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast on the Aftermarket Radio Network. I typically do my typical outro, but seriously, 
Aftermarket Radio Network has got some really great shows on it. And if you go to aftermarketradionetwork.com, you can see all of them. You know, if you're listening to this one, you probably came to us through Remarkable Results Radio and you probably know about the other shows. But uh, if you don't, seriously, go check them out. There's some great content there from the coach's point of view, from the financial guy's point of view, from the technician's point of view. There's just a lot of great stuff to listen to there. So, you know, you can listen to these on all your favorite podcast listening apps, you know, Google, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, But go check out these shows. And uh, in the meantime, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.